my name is Heath Kirkendall, and I am sitting in a room. At the beginning of this recording, I set a timer for one hour, and until it goes off, I am not allowed to look at the timer. For the next 60 minutes, I will be talking uninterrupted. Nobody will speak to me during this hour. I may not listen to music, watch, or read anything during this hour. I may move and stand if I wish, but must stay within earshot of the microphone at all times. There are no guidelines for what I must talk about, but it is suggested I begin by describing the room around me. This is the end of my written prompt. And just a quick check to make sure that the timer is going. Yep, there it is. Okay, cool. All right, yeah. Well, this is an interesting little uh, place to be. Hello, listeners, if uh, if you're out there. Um, hmm. So uh, it says here I should start by uh, describing the room I'm in. Um, and I think that's a, that's a great way to start setting up some context. Um, I am um, currently in my apartment in the college town of Norman, Oklahoma. I just actually finished up last semester of college and graduated officially. Uh, so that's, that's pretty great. Going to get an actual document that says I graduated in about... I don't know, month and a half, I guess, because uh, they don't hand those out when you walk the stage. Um, anyway, anyway, um, I've lived in this room for, uh, gosh, I guess a year now? Yeah, uh, that's about right. Um, and during that time, I've done a lot of decorating. I've got two bookshelves full of books and like 100 plus something plays because I'm a dramaturg. Uh, and a playwright and uh, a teacher, and so these are these are the kind of those are the kind of things I want to have a lot of on my bookshelf. Um, but yeah, no, it's a it's a snug, quaint little space. I live here with two other guys, one of my best friends who I met back in freshman year of college, and then uh, a new friend who um, I didn't know before I moved in here, and who's become a, a really wonderful wonderful friend over the over the past year. All right, let me think what to, what to do and what to say. I mean, there's so much I could talk about. I could talk about, um, you know, again, graduating college and where I'm going from here. Or, um, you know, I could talk about some of the, um, some of the current, I guess, issues that I'm, that I'm dealing with in my head and just kind of trying to figure some stuff out for the future. Or, you know, I could just uh, do something nice and, and simple and just kind of avoid some of those touchier subjects, at least for me, you know, and um, try something a little bit lighthearted. I'm just, uh, just going to see where um, where it takes us, I suppose. Also, I just realized that there is uh, actually a timer right here on my recording software, so I am going to, let me see, is there any way, can I just put like a sticky note over this maybe? Let me see. Yeah, just gonna just gonna cover that up so I can't see it. Gotta gotta be following the rules, of course. All right, there we go. Yeah, that should do it. That should do it. <sighs> you know, um, I guess one of the big things that I have been uh, thinking a lot about as I'm getting ready to pack up this room and leave after um, the four years here at school is um, kind of that bittersweetness. Of, of leaving, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been wanting to leave for quite a while now, especially, 
you know, especially right here um, at the end, senioritis setting in and all that sort of stuff. But um, I guess there is the the sadness that comes with that, the, the, the knowledge that some of the things that have been a certain way are not going to be that way anymore, you know? We had a uh, had a dramaturgy party the other day. I say party. It was a sad brunch as we were a um, little upset about a few things in our department that I feel like I probably shouldn't mention here. Um, I assume because I might get in trouble for it um, because I'm not a student anymore. I'm an alumni, I guess. But suffice to say, the department is not listening to students appropriately. Um, so our, our, some of our dramaturgs, we got together and just had a nice brunch over at one of, uh, one of our apartments and just hung out, talked, and it was really nice. I got to spend a couple hours with everybody and, you know, then I got ready to go to pick up my, uh, my girlfriend from work. And, uh, you know, there was a real sad moment there when I was getting ready to leave because I realized, you know, I don't know when I'm going to see these people again. I don't know if I'm going to see these people again, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're folks who are definitely good friends and, and wonderful people to work with. But, you know, a lot of us are, are dramaturgy associates first and, and then friends second in some degree. And, you know, I mean, I guess there is that worry that because these aren't people that I'm deeply, deeply close with outside of our, of our profession, that, you know, am I going to, am I going to see them here after college? You know, I mean, I'm still going to be involved with some of the like online group chats and I'm going to try to stay involved with, um, as many, as many things as I can, I guess, in a way. But I mean, there is that worry that, that I've seen some of them for the last time. And I guess that's even truer for a lot of the actors and designers I know. I know that I've seen them for almost certainly the last time until, you know, we do some kind of reunion or, or, or something like that. But, you know, I don't know if we will really, and I don't know when. Um, yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of goodbyes recently. And there's kind of goodbyes that are difficult because I don't know since I don't know if these are the, this is the last time I'm going to see these people, I, I don't know how much of a goodbye do I need to give. You know, do I do I need to do I need to hug somebody and say, you know, you you have meant the world to me. You have helped me so much through you know difficult times, or you've been an incredible acquaintance or, or, or work partner or something like that. And you know, I'm so honored to have spent time with you on that. You know, there's some people who I who I've done that with. You know, I've sh I've shaped I've Shaken? Sh yeah. Shaken their hands. Um, sorry. Um, and, you know, I've said to them, you know, thank you for all your work. Thank you for working with me for, for you know, putting up with some of my more um, out there um, artistic thoughts and whatnot. Although I don't, I don't have too many of those. Um, but, you know, a lot of them are just... You know, they're, they're just, I don't, I don't know how to say goodbye to you because I feel like I should just be seeing you again in a couple weeks or, you know, right after the summer. 
you know, I think that was always one of the best things that we had at the beginning of every every new school year after summer. We would have all of the drama people get together and we do, you know, a, a banquet or a barbecue or something. And we'd all see each other and I, I would say hello to friends I hadn't seen in months and we'd all get together and talk and gossip and it would just it would just be it would be good. It would be like kind of coming home again, you know, or coming back into the atmosphere that you're you're used to, the people you know and all that. And I don't I don't I'm not going to get that, at least not, maybe with other people. I, I will with, you know, family and with any friends that I see again, um, you know, close friends who, I, who I'm going to be staying in touch with no matter what. But, you know, with a lot of, a lot of other folks who I'd still consider, you know, good friends, people that I would, I would love to spend time with, I, I do wonder, you know, when am I going to get that chance again? When am I going to get that feeling of, of coming home and seeing them all again? And, and the answer, of course, is probably won't. <laughs> you know, that's that race has probably been run, and I and I I need to kind of get ready to to move on from that one. Unfortunately, huh? Yeah. Um, hmm. What did I say about straying away from uh, some of the more deeper personal thoughts? Yep. Never mind. Here we are. <laughs> Welcome, welcome into um, to my little my little worries and all that, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, the good thing is I know that I'm going on to to something good. You know, I'm gonna I'm going on to teach to um, hopefully help you know change the future at least a little bit by helping to educate kids who who need it, you know, who want to be it, you know, strong learners who want to be researchers who want to be you know revolutionaries and question and question everything and you know doing a lot of i've done a lot of research and study lately and just testing and training for um different ways of teaching that go beyond the the usual stagnant kind of ideology that we already use the the you know the, the cult of pedagogy trying to get away from that and into you know a lot more of the um I guess a lot more of the personal relationships, you know, trying to show kids that their learning is, it, it is theirs. It belongs to them. And I really enjoy that so far. That's been, it's been really good training. It's been really good to just listen in and to, you know, different videos and speakers about that. And then to just read up about it and start thinking about how am I going to do this in my, in my classroom someday. And I mean, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that chance, you know, this next year to get started on all that. And I'm very nervous for it too, because I know I'm going to screw up a lot along the way. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know, uh, how badly I'm going to screw up, I guess, along the way, which is a little scary. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, I am more excited than scared because even if I screw up, I know that I can get back up. I know that I can apologize. Uh, I know that I can work to fix any screw ups I do. Um, and I can work to help my students as best I can. I've been, uh, I've been trying my best to read up more on anti-racist um, ideology and ways for teachers to practice anti-racism. And that's been very enlightening and really shown me gaps in my education and my knowledge uh, and made me realize a lot of 
a lot of biases that I still hold, even if I've been trying to get away from them. So got to try harder on that. More, um, more effort needs to be put in on my part, and I intend to do just that. So, hmm. yeah, I, I, I know that part of this podcast description is that it's incoherent rambling, and I think that I've already somehow gotten to that in the first, like, ten minutes, so goody for me. <laughs> you know, I've, I've actually I've actually really wanted to do uh, podcasting of some kind or the other. So when I, when I saw um, uh, calls for people to send in submissions for this and to, to try to engage with this podcast, I was like, oh, gotta do that. Partially because I, I love the, the creator. Um, but uh, also because um, I just really love the idea of podcasting. The, I love the idea of sitting down, making a recording, uh, and then putting it out there for people to hear uh, and just listen into in their little daily activities. You know, I, li- I listen to podcasts when I'm driving somewhere or, you know, doing housework or occasionally if I'm doing when I'm doing homework when it doesn't require the majority of my brain. Um, i trying to think, what kind of podcast do I listen to? Let, let's, let, let's find, let's talk about that, listeners. What kind of podcast do you listen to? Because if you're listening to this one, obviously you've listened to others before. Um I would say, you know, you go first, give you, give you all the start, but uh, I feel like I won't get a, a response, at least not uh, within the time frame of my hour here. So I, I'll, I guess I'll tell you mine. Um, let me think. My, my, my favorite podcast is probably, um, probably uh, this little podcast called Please Stop Talking. It's just a bunch of weirdos that sit around and tell dumb stories from their life um, and their absolute idiots and just just absolute jerks in a lot of ways and there's just a nice like fun cozy quality to listening to old friends discuss uh all their little issues with each other um and just having like a fun time insulting each other and whatnot i'm i'm not entirely certain you know how i guess uh, funny it really is. I've, I've shown some clips to other people and they found them kind of boring. So maybe it's just an acquired taste or something, but I, I love that podcast. It got me through, gosh, a lot of, a lot of driving. I will say I started listening to it, I guess, uh, on my way on like a two and a half hour drive once. And then on a five-hour drive after that, and then on a twelve-hour drive after, oh, fifteen-hour drive—that's what that was, right? Forgot to add the three there. Uh, but a fifteen-hour drive then. So I've I've binged those and really loved them, and they're on hiatus right now, so that's unfortunate. Um, what other kind of podcasts do I listen to? Well, let's see, let's see. Uh, I listen to a couple of the more like spooky, like crime documentary sort of stuff. So like cults, cults is a, a great one. Uh, the mysterious Mr. Epstein. If you want to specifically hear a short, like a short little five episode or six episode podcast all about Jeffrey Epstein's dealings, which uh, content warning is horrific and horrible and is not for the faint of heart. And wow, I did not like it uh, in content wise, but it's produced very well and it has uh, some very very good uh, musical choices and um, very good voice voice narration. So great for um, great for for them. Maybe not so much for listeners, I suppose, but you know uh, that's a good one. 
Um, and then I, I guess beyond that, it's uh, it's a good number of D and D podcasts. I am a I am a huge uh, Dungeons and Dragons nerd, RPG nerd in general. But Dungeons and Dragons D and D is still like probably the main thing that I oh excuse me that I play right now. Uh, fifth fifth edition of D and D. So at the moment, I think there there's really there's really two big ones that I've been listening to. Uh, one of them is actually a D and D podcast done by the uh, weirdos from Please Stop Talking, uh, called Perilous Storytelling, uh, and I would recommend it to anyone who is into D and D stories that are uh, melodramatic and absolutely all over the place and just hilariously bad at certain points. Um, that's a that's a really really fun show, and they play their characters very very well um there's also a lot of clowns for some reason but that's a spoiler i guess so i i won't get into it um and then and then the other one that i've only recently started listening to um thanks to recommendation from a friend is called uh, dames and dragons which is uh, a lovely uh all women uh podcast uh playing uh dnd and they're just, I mean, they're just absolutely, like, wonderful, lovely people. And their characters are amazing, and they know exactly how to roleplay them, and they just have a very well-crafted story. Their DM is great. Um, the, the villain is, well, one of my favorite villains that I've seen in a in any kind of, like, RPG story in a long, long time. And settings lovely there's so much good inspiration from a bunch of different really great sci-fi and fantasy books and novels and movies so um, i don't want to do any kind of like spoilers on that either because um i would highly recommend recommend that listeners go on and, and check that out um but yeah i would i would um i would 100 percent recommend them of course then yeah so so i listen i'd look up what else i know there's a couple other things that i listen to um, I'd look them up, but I'm, I'm not allowed to look at or read anything else during this hour. So not going to break the rules just so that I can recommend other people's art to you. Very sorry. <laughs> um, speaking of, uh, recommendations of art, who here, uh, hates art museums? Am I, uh, I don't think I'm alone in that one. I know a lot of people who are not big fans of them. Uh, and I, I will, uh, I will put my name in the hat with that, with the rest of them on, uh, low, the kind of, kind of loathing the way art museums are. I used to not like them as a kid because I thought they were stuffy and boring and pretentious and filled with dumb junk. And then I got older and I said, no, no, these are actually incredible, you know, beautiful places that house some of the greatest works of art ever. Uh, and nowadays I think both those things uh, at the same time. Um, how do I, how do I come to this dichotomy, I guess? Well, on the one hand, museums, art museums do house a lot of incredible, beautiful art that, you know, some of it, which has shaped modern culture, others of it that are relics from older times. Um, and all that's wonderful. However, a lot of it's also stolen or just not paid for from the original artist or underpaid for, um, you know, and I've got a pretty severe problem with that, um, and I'm and I very much think that museums need to start giving back um, 
pieces of stolen art to their original owners or cultures if they are able to do so. Uh, and if the, you know, the original owner or, or culture or people uh, want it back, in many cases they do because, you know, it's stolen. Uh, but we here in the, in the, I would say just the U.S., but I guess it's the general, like, quote-unquote Western world that does this, uh, very much likes to say, well, yes, it is yours or it is from your culture, but we took it, and now it's been on display here for years, so we don't want to take it away, because think of the experience that would be robbed of from uh, from all of our people. And I, uh, I don't know, am I allowed to curse on this? I don't actually know if I'm allowed to curse. Oh, shoot. Okay, Diego, if I'm if I'm not allowed to curse, you can you can feel free to just bleep me out, I suppose. Uh, otherwise, uh, I think that the fact that museums uh, won't give uh, art back to their original owners is kind of fucking bullshit. Um, it's, uh, mm, it really just riles me up. Uh, we got to work on uh, plays recently that were going to be performed at the Fred Jones Jr. Art Museum in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, they were supposed to be pieces that were, you know, in conversation with their galleries to some degree or the other. Uh, and almost unanimously, almost all of our of our shows, uh, the four shows that we put up in there, all were pretty critical of the way that museums are talking about, you know, how to steal things from museums, for instance, um, because, the, you know, museums had already stolen it them, themselves, so why not do it back to them? Or how a lot of activism about museums giving things back doesn't really lead anywhere, because at the end of the day, you're critiquing the system of power, but what can you as the individual force the museum to do? You know, that, that sort of thing. I, I did a very, um, let's, let's say like a, aggressive piece in which I had a person threaten the museum with arson for um, putting up uh, stolen artifacts from indigenous peoples. So, uh... Yeah, they didn't like that one too terribly much. The first time they saw it. The second time, much more comfortable with it. They'd had time to think about it. I think we, uh, on a whole, they said that our pieces made them consider some aspects of their profession in new ways. Which is great. Really cool. Uh, glad that uh, they weren't as upset with me that second time. Although it was really, really, really fun to upset them. I will say that. Like, it was, ooh. Oh, I just really enjoy like seeing some some snooty art people just say, "Oh, oh dear," as they see my piece, saying that they're a bunch of you know absolute like tomb raiders basically for stealing all this stuff. Except they're not tomb raiders; they're just they're just stealing from live people what they can would consider you know artifacts of culture. So or okay, I feel like I should correct myself. Not always live people. Sometimes you know as as colonialists do, uh, they would uh, kill people and then steal their artifacts. Has anyone has anyone heard of uh, the Benin Bronzes? If you haven't, you should go look them up. I'm not going to be able to explain them nearly as well as some other uh, indigenous scholars would be able to. But um, the Benin Bronzes are the series of uh, bronze works, like sculptures and, and plates and that sort of stuff, from... Um, the kingdom of Benin in Nigeria. 
Um, they're these really, really great pieces of artwork. Um, absolutely beautiful. Uh, to this day, still, they're some of the most just stunning pieces of metalwork I think you could see, especially from, um, you know, pre like older uh, civilization. Uh, and here's the thing, though. Uh, when I first saw them, I thought, wow, these are in incredible. These are, uh, you know, I not saw them in person. Let me make that clear. Just saw pictures of them. I thought these are incredible. These are, you know, are these, these are made by, you know, this is probably made by, I, I'd never heard of the kingdom of Benin. So I said to myself, well, these must have been made, you know, gosh, you know, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of years ago. You know, these might be, you know, some of the first big instances of artistic metalwork. And uh, to my surprise, no, actually the kingdom of Benin existed until the, uh, if I remember correctly, the 1800s, there was this massive walled city in Af in Nigeria that um, was a center for trade and power uh, and really ju just, you know, a center of like culture in Africa. And they, uh, they were not open to uh, British colonialism and the British didn't like that. So they attempted to assassinate the king of Benin uh, who in turn killed their their team of assassins, uh, in which case the British laid siege to the city uh, and eventually sacked it, burned it to the ground, and looted all of these bronzes from the, from it. And, you know, it's, what's really so horrible about it is that for a long time, a lot of people didn't know that these bronzes existed because when the British brought them back, their scholars looked at them and said, these are too sophisticated for, you know, for, for Africans. This can't have been real. So they just kind of locked them away in the basement of the British Museum for decades. Because, I mean, well, not just decades, I mean, almost like 100 years, basically. Because, you know, it conflicted with their view of the world you know it conflicted with their idea that they were the you know superior anglo-saxon people and they were the the best ones that there were and nobody else could do the kind of things that they could and you know here was a, a direct refutation of that and so they just locked them away i don't know why those aren't back in nigeria i don't know why they didn't they haven't given those back yet People will correct me and say that they have given them back. They've given them back on loan. And then they're going to take them back after a few years. You know, I mean, you sacked a, a kingdom that was the center of trade and culture in this country and the region as a whole. And you then refuse to give back the treasure you plundered from them because you plundered it fair and square. Yeah. And then you put them on display in their in your in your museum. Museums are fucking bullshit. Art museums and history museums, I suppose. Not just you know they both do it. They both do it egregiously. Science museums will sometimes get a pass because those are cool, and a lot of those just let you do like neat science stuff. You know, those aren't like. But even but you know I mean even then I mean. Are all of their dinosaur skeletons and other, you know, fossils gotten legitimately? Are all of the, the jewels and 
uh, and minerals and whatnot that they have there, are those gotten legitimately? I don't know. I, I'd assume in a lot of cases not. So, you know, maybe science museums don't get a pass. Maybe science museums are, are just the same way. Maybe the whole idea of museums should be looked at again. I'm not sure, though. I'm not sure. I guess uh, I guess that's something I need to do more research of my own into. And I encourage anyone who's listening to this to do the same. Oh, boy. Okay. That was a... Uh, that was a weird tangent. Sorry about that. I I don't know if I actually made it... I, I hope that I made it clear, like, how... I don't know if I did, but like, I hope I made it clear that I am very upset by, um, by the way these museums act and operate. I'd just rather not, you know, yell <laughs> here on a podcast. I get a feeling that uh, a lot of people listen to podcasts via headphones, and I'd rather not just start, you know, yelling and screaming at you. don't feel like that would be very... Um, very nice of me, I suppose. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Let's see, where are we? Nope, nope, not gonna look at the time. Not gonna look at the time. What to do? What to talk about, though? You know what? What's something else I should hit upon? Let's see, what have we talked about so far? Let's have a recap, you know? Let's see, we've talked about uh, where I am, the room I'm in, a little bit about where I'm going, my excitement, nerves about it. Uh, talked a little bit about um, the kind of podcast that I listen to, uh, and then we uh, we discuss museums and how bad they are. So let's see what are what are what are some other fun subjects that I could focus on. You know, I really hope that uh, everyone else's episodes of this of this podcast. I hope all of the others had moments like this somewhere in the middle where somebody just starts saying, "What next? What next?" You know. I'm going to feel really weird if I'm the only one and everyone else was able to speak basically uninterrupted for um, a full hour with with a continuous stream of thought. I uh, I don't work, I guess. <laughs> if they did, then you know, I guess it just confirms to me that I don't always work the same way as, uh, as a lot of my artistic peers. I'm a little bit more... I think I have a tendency to be a little bit more in my head with some things, which I've been told is a problem, you know, but I, I don't know. I think it's just... I think it's just me, the way that I do things. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, I'm graduated. I think I mentioned that. Graduation was boring. I don't, I don't understand the appeal of it. Like, in, in high school, I was cool with walking across the stage, getting a few awards, and, you know, being on with my day. But it was like an hour-long ceremony, you know? It was whatever. Uh, graduation this time around, uh, about an hour, hour and a half, somewhere in there for, for college. But really, it was just a couple people got up on stage, said some nice words about how difficult COVID was and how glad they are we're graduating. And uh, bada bing, bada boom, somebody says, you're graduated, hooray. And then we walk forward with a fake diploma and get a fuzzy picture with the dean. Uh, and then on we go. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't see much value to it. I I walked because my parents wanted me to. They came up to to see me and, and all that. So that's that was nice. It was good to see them. I haven't been able to see them all this semester just because I've been so busy with other stuff. So it's four months without seeing my parents. I think that's the longest I've ever gone without seeing them. And I, it was it was nice to get a chance to see them again. You know, I'm pretty close with my parents. My my folks and I are. Overall, in a, in a pretty good um, emotional state with each other. 
you know, they were, they were, they've been wonderful to me, of course, you know, they're, they're excellent parents. I, I really think there's very little that I can complain about with them, which is, you know, it's pretty wonderful. I know that a lot of people don't, don't have that. And I know that I'm, I'm very privileged and I guess blessed would be the word for it in this case to, um, to have that, you know. And I, uh, I thank them. Probably not enough. Probably I, do, I should more. But I'm, I'm very thankful. Either way, that they're, they've always been there for me, and that they're gonna continue being there for me. And now I'm moving back home to be a teacher, so I get to see them more. So that'll be nice. That'll be really nice. Are uh, are you all close with your family? You all. You know, whether that's your, your parents, grandparents, siblings, cousins. Got a, I've got a cousin named Ethan, and he's one of my, uh, <laughs> he is one of my best friends, you know? Lovely guy. Awesome guy. I don't talk to him enough and I, because we're pretty far away from each other, but boy, he's just, I mean, every time I'm with him, it's like this wonderful, happy, incredible feeling just because he's... You know, he, he's very similar to me in some ways, very different in others, but he's always been one of my most ardent supporters, and he's always been there to congratulate me for whatever I've done, and he's always just been, he's always just been wonderful, you know, and I love him very dearly, and I need to call him and thank him for wishing me a happy graduation, because I missed his call when he did, when he originally said good job because I was at breakfast which I haven't done haven't gone to breakfast that is in like um or even eaten breakfast I guess in like I don't know like eight months I don't eat breakfast I know that's unhealthy the doctors I see all those things from doctors which say that it is but you know I'm not hungry in the morning so I'm not going to do it the doctors and the scientists can say whatever they want. I will not be following their instructions. <laughs> Which I probably shouldn't be saying right now in the middle of uh, of COVID stuff, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I, I am following doctors when it comes to COVID. And, uh, you know, masking up and all that. And I'm also fully vaccinated. That's why I've been able to actually see people for once. I'm, so many of my friends are are fully vaccinated. I can sit with them and actually have a good conversation. Look at their faces in full. And, oh, what a lovely thing it is again. I missed the lower halves of so many people's faces, you know? I miss being able to see their smiles and their frowns and everything else in between. God, I love people. I really do at the end of the day. Even if they are sometimes, you know, aggravating. I'm also a people, and I'm also aggravating. So it all kind of, kind of works out, I guess. <laughs> oh, let's see. Let's see. You know, I, I guess I could talk about, uh, I could talk about a project I've been working on. How about that, you know? Talking about personal projects. Still personal. You know, still, still have some emotions connected to it, but not so personal that I'm going to start weeping because I'd rather not do that on camera right now. Or wait, I'm not, or 
audio. Yeah, that that's it. I hope I'm not being recorded. Are you recording me? No, okay. I should have checked that. My, my No joke, my webcam does actually turn on sometimes whenever I start recordings of anything because it assumes that I'm going to need it. So I uh, want to make sure that that's not happening. Anyway, personal project, personal project. Um, I think I, so you, you might have been able to to guess this from what I mentioned earlier. But yeah, I really like RPGs and uh, I've been playing a lot of D&D, but I've been playing other RPGs as well. Um, some quick recommendations for everyone. Uh, Vultures, uh, Diaspora, Ten Candles, oh, excuse me, um, Honey Heist, uh, all, all excellent, excellent games. Um, Ten Candles is a psychological horror uh, similar to like call, old Call of Cthulhu stuff, but we don't do Lovecraft as much anymore for uh, some obvious reasons. Um, although I did write a Lovecraft script, and I'm very proud of that Lovecraft script. I'm going to get that published someday. I, I swear I'm going to get that published someday. Old HP won't be able to stop me anymore. Although, I guess a few scholars or a few big diehard HP Lovecraft fans might have some issues with my interpretation of a couple of his characters but listen if he didn't want me to write uh the two main characters of herbert west reanimator as a gay couple then he shouldn't have had them living together and being each other's partners for literally 30 plus years that is his own fault and also it's really fun to um to uh tell a dead guy who was definitely a homophobe uh that uh, he can go fuck himself uh, because his characters are now gay. So, uh, I got off topic. I'm sorry. Uh, what were some of the other RPGs I mentioned? Vultures. Vultures. That's a great one. That's a, uh, that's a space one. Uh, very simple rules. Uh, very cool, though. Very, very, uh, very socialist, actually. Which, uh, for any of you, any of you fun socialist or uh, anarchist people out there, I would totally recommend it to you all. It's got some interesting mechanics to it. You'd like it. Um, Diaspora is a fun game if you have time. And if you don't, you're not going to get anywhere. And I'm so sorry. But uh, that one's fun because it's also space. But you get to build your solar system together. Like you as a team, I guess, or a part as a, as a full party. Before you start telling the story, you all build the solar system together. And that's a really cool concept. You all have a stake in the world before you even get started. Like that's just, mm, that's some quality like RPG right there. Uh, what was the other one I mentioned? I feel like I'm missing one. Oh, Honey Heist. Honey Heist. Yeah, that one's just simple. That one's just that you're going to play as a bear dressed as a person, and not convincingly, uh, and that you're going to attempt to steal honey from the annual Honey Con. That's the whole game. That's that's about it. It's it's silly. It's crazy. Your two stats are bear and uh, I want to say human, I guess. And the more human you get. Um, the better you are at pretending to be a human, the more bear you are, the better you are at doing bear-related activities. But, uh, you know, go you go too far into bear and you just go on a rampage and then animal, animal control gets you. But go too far into human and you can become greedy and become the villain. You know, it's, a, it's a, like a betrayal story, so... It depends, you know. It's a but it's a it's a really silly, really fun game. And I would definitely recommend it for um, for anyone who's just generally um into like really weird rpgs i think you'd find it fun uh so yeah the uh the the fine the the those are just 
other stuff that I like and other stuff that I enjoy playing. But uh, the big project that I was mentioning, wow, I went on a lot of tangents there. I am so sorry. This is just how my my brain works. I apologize. Uh, the way that I put my thoughts together. I should go for a walk after I do this, clear my head a little bit, and just kind of like refocus for a moment, you know? Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so the pro this project, this project, yeah. What is this project? What is the project you keep referring to, Heath? Well, dear listeners, um, I've really been wanting to write like my own RPG for a while, you know, something small, nothing, nothing too crazy, just some, just some nice fun rules to play with and kind of build a, build a new kind of experience and game out of. And I've been going through a few different ideas. The, the first big thing in my head was like, oh, I got to make a, a Western, you know, I'm a Texas boy, of course. And so the whole cowboy image is right there in my head all the time. And, uh, you know, there's a part of me that, uh, really enjoys, um, that cowboy image but i but you know i wanted to maybe maybe make something that really reflected on the cowboy image you know made something helped it make it into something new because you know the cowboy image that we have today is very it's very white supremacist it's very centered on the you know lone white hero who who can shoot anyone with impunity and, and save the day you know um and that's not what the cowboy was you know most of the first cowboys in texas were black um so, you know, part of me was like, well, maybe I, maybe I read, I do something like that, you know? And then I thought about it a bit. And while it's something that I want to work on, maybe not as an RPG though, maybe as a story or a play, because I think at the end of the day, I don't know if anyone wants to play a historically accurate Western game. Cause I'm not sure. I, Cause I think at the end of the day, that's not going to be a fun game. That's going to be a sad game. And it's going to be one filled with a lot of like really uh, like upsetting shit so i've drifted away from that idea a little bit maybe i'll come back to it at some point but we'll we'll see um so right now i'm i'm, I'm torn I'm, I'm torn between doing something that's more sci-fi because i love sci-fi uh games those are always so much fun or doing something superhero related um i um uh, my partner has been um She's been having me watch uh, uh, My Hero Academia with her, which is an, an, a superhero anime, which I think is so popular. Most people probably know it at least by name. But um, something that I've noticed in watching it with her is that there are so many instances of interesting world building in the story and of ways that it could go that I think are just so, so unique. And then it doesn't go there with any of the ideas that it's put forward. You know, I mean, one thing that you see is that those stu their students, who are these superheroes in training, are always kind of kicking the shit out of each other, you know? They're always... They're, they're a lot of their training is about getting stronger, getting control of their powers, and refining them, and, and proving that they know how to do that by beating other people up, whether it's other classmates, or people from other classes or an adult or two, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. A lot of their powers cause real actual pain to people and could really be dangerous if they're put in the hands of someone who's not heroic, you know? And there's a part of me that wishes that they played with that more, you know? Because at the end of every fight between, you know, just the heroes, you know, duking it out with each other rather to, you know, get stronger rather than, you know, fighting a villain or something. At the end of those fights, 
you know, all they always, even if they've been yelling and screaming insults and and saying how much better they are and how they're gonna they're gonna surpass, surpass their their friends to you know dominate them all, you know, at the end of at the end of their fights or their episodes that are about the those fights, all the characters get back together and say, oh, that was really good, good job. I you have my respect because you beat me in this fight or because I beat you or or so on and so forth. And that just seems like a cop out, you know. Like these are these are you know these are sixteen year olds seventeen year olds these aren't people who. I mean maybe I I I don't know if I'm speaking for all sixteen seventeen year olds but I feel like most of them are not necessarily um, super emotionally there when it comes to like being perfectly well adjusted and all that because being a teenager sucks it's hard you go through a lot of crap and you know I'm thinking thinking about it. You know, if you're if your friend, if a teacher says to you, to you, you have to beat the shit out of your best friend, and then he beats the shit out of you. You know, especially if the teacher knows he's bigger than you and he's stronger than you, and he's gonna win, but he wants, but the teacher wants you to try to get stronger by fighting him. I mean, aren't you gonna feel some some disdain towards the teacher, or some anger maybe towards your friend? You know, and they don't. And, and, of course, the reason they don't is because it's, at the end of the day, it's male power fantasy. You know, I mean, it, it's it's a show that's meant to be a bunch of cool people, which in this case means strong boys and, or strong men and, you know, scantily clad women uh, going around beating up bad guys or each other. And at the end of the day, everything works out and it's all okay because they're heroes and yada, yada, yada. Um... And, you know, um, again, that's not horrible, I guess. I mean, the uh, the degradation of women, that is horrible. And by the way, for any My Hero Academia fans out there, I am really sorry. But even though a lot of the women characters in the show are strong female archetypes, the show still overly sexualizes and overplays them in certain ways that I think at the end of the day takes a lot of power away from those characters. I've seen some people say that My Hero Academia is one of the most gender neutral um, shows when it comes to like, you know, sure, the women are scantily clad, but they're strong and they can beat the crap out of people. And the character who's a pervert in the show is always the butt of the joke and always gets, you know, slapped around. But, you know, you could just not have the pervert in the show. And you could just not have the women be scantily clad. And it wouldn't make any difference. And a lot of the times, you know, they'll they'll say, well, of course, though, this character has to be scantily clad. Or this character has to have, you know, a skin-tight suit or something. Because their power wouldn't work without it. And the issue is, that doesn't work. Because the authors made it that way. The author made that choice that their power wouldn't work unless they had you know, this kind of clothing or, you know, lack thereof. So for any of you My Hero Academia fans, um, if you think that it is a very, like, empowering show for women, you can believe that. I just would disagree with you. And I would ask you to look at, look a little closer at some of the ways women are treated in the show. Anyway, back to the topic of, of this RPG project. Sorry, still going all over the place, but... Uh, so, so with all that, with all that stuff in mind, I was thinking, well, you know, 
I want to, uh, what, what if we worked with that? What if we made something like that? So, I, so I've been thinking like, I've, I want to write something that's, uh, and, and I've done a little bit on this, just some base, some general like ideas and building blocks of it put down onto like a design document. But, you know, what, um, I want, I would like to make an RPG wherein you you was, you play a hero, a, a, you know, you and your party of friends, you play heroes, super, you know, teenage superheroes, you know, somewhere between the ages of, you know, 15 and 19, something like that. Um, and you're, you're super strong. You've got, you know, cool superpowers. And here you are at the big hero school. You know, this is where they're going to teach you how to save the day and beat up the villains and all that sort of stuff. And then make the training like My Hero Academia. But don't make it a power fantasy. You know, don't make it something that's supposed to be like, yes, heroics. Outwardly, the, the adults in charge can pretend that's what it is. But no, but make it clear to the players it isn't. That they are supposed to be, that they can act the way that they want. That they don't just have to say, yeah, you beat me, I respect you. That they can be upset about things. And you know, when it comes to like, somebody mentioned to me, well, but superheroes are difficult. Because, you know, you have to build superpowers uh, and then balance them. And I mean, and at the end of the day, how do you balance, you know, Batman and Superman? You know, how do you, how do you balance Captain America and Thor? So that they're on the, so that they're all on the same level, you know? And my answer to that would be that I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't want to balance it because if someone is just naturally, you know, stronger because of their superpower than the, than everyone else, well, good. That breeds some contempt. That breeds anger. And that's kind of what the the game would be about. And in the end, it would kind of become like a thriller or, or a horror, even depending on what it, where it goes. You know, your character falls further and further down this rabbit hole of I have to be the best. I have to be the best. You know, uh, one because their teachers are telling them to, and because if you're not, you know, you're going to probably get killed out there in the field. You know, villains don't hold back punches, even if your classmates do. Um, and so watching your characters kind of spiral into this dark place of, you know, am I able to keep up this, you know, happy, friendly hero facade or, or is crazy shit going to start happening? Am I going to, am I going to lose a bit of who I am in the middle of all this? Um, I think, you know, it, it, there'd be really cool opportunities for people to lose control of their characters at some points because, you know, they've lost control, the character has lost control of what they're doing or, or how they're going you know, they gain a flaw or something that, you know, it's not of their own doing, but it's because of who, what, but it, it's forcing them into the way that they're becoming because of the things that have been done to them and the actions they've taken. And, you know, you can throw in commentary in there about the school system, you know, how it, how it treats students, especially the idea of you have to be at the very top or you're not worth it, you know? Top 10 is where you want to be, and if you're not in the top 10, what's the point of being, you know, a student or, in this case, a hero, you know? And really, really show to the group that, you know, this is an issue. And I think, of course, the fun with that then is that it becomes like, it's a group game. You have to work with each other. But how do you work with someone if you hate their guts, you know? Uh, we see characters do it in shows all the time, of course. But really, you know, really work with that idea of, you know, how how, how does it make you feel? All that, you know, how, how do we, as if, how, how would real people be responding to the kind of situations that the characters in shows and movies like My Hero Academia are put through? You know, the villains are the adults, obviously. You know, the 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 victims are the are the, are the children and the other heroes that you deal with. Because and, and that's something that I would want to make clear in it. Like at the end of the day, you're children. You know, you're not you're not young heroes. You are 
children who are being trained to be heroes. And in a way, you know, doesn't that kind of that almost makes you a child soldier to some degree, but it also just puts some a lot of nasty connotations on the way that people that you know you're treated. So again, as you can tell, it's kind of an ethereal idea right now. I, I need to make it more concrete to a degree, but you know, I'll get there. Um as for like the sci-fi stuff, because I've been thinking about that, um, this is on a happier note. If anyone's ever played the video game uh, FTL, Faster Than Light, absolutely phenomenally good pixel art sci-fi game. Great, great on all fronts. Uh, cool spaceships, cool weapons, uh, cool boss fight right at the end. Almost always get stomped, but it's fun when you win. Um, it's a roguelike, uh, or yeah, roguelite. Uh, one of the two, I don't remember, sorry. Uh, and it's very fun. It's 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 an enjoyable game. But I uh, I like the ships on it. I like the way that they do ship combat. So kind of basing like a system a little bit off of that, you know. And the difficulty for me then is deciding like how to do the system. You know, part of me is like, well, maybe we do a system where yeah, every every player is a member of the crew. They have a position that they work at that they make certain roles for and checks for. Uh, and then you can buy upgrades and, and ship augments and weaponry and that sort of stuff. And you make your ship stronger and stronger. And, you know, maybe you play as um, maybe you play as a wandering pirate or bandit. Or maybe you play as part of a larger military force or a scout. Or maybe you're just a, a trader, you know. And depending on, you know, put guidelines for building, like, your jobs and give some sample jobs. And, you know, what kind of bonuses and effects those give you. And... and you know, I think that could be really fun, but it is, in my mind, a little generic, you know? Well, how to be less generic? Well, if it was going to be less generic, the thought that comes into my head then is instead of playing as a crew member on a ship, you know, instead, what if you played, you know, as each player controlled a ship and its crew? You know, you played as a full squadron of people, you know, three to three to six starfighters that work together uh, or starships, I guess, that work together. Um, same principle, of course, you know, buy upgrades and weapons and augments and all that sort of stuff. Um, but of course, there's, you know, the whole idea of like now you can make synergies with each other's ships and you can work together. And maybe now you're not just, you know, a pirate, you're a pirate, you know, a squadron of pirates or you are a military unit or a full, uh, you know, trader caravan where a couple of people are playing, you know, less armed but heavily armored, you know, um, ships that transport goods and the others are playing, you know, your little wingmen who are, you know, taking down bad guys that are after you, any of that sort of stuff. And, of course, the difficulty is, like, well, who do you role play at that point? You know, what, what do you character actually play as? And Because, you know, they can't play as the whole crew. You can't really play that out but so maybe instead you play as you know the captain of the ship that's your character and then you hire on other npcs to be your crew members until you know you've got your you know four player characters who are the captains and then each one has you know four or five crew members underneath them as npcs you know that, that could be fun or alternatively you know maybe you play as the the ship's ai and all of the crew are there to make sure that you are still able to do functions of your job and so in combat you're technically running the whole ship you know do stuff like that, and uh, that could be interesting, but that would kind of steer the game, I think, into, you know, talking about, like, automation and robots and all that sort of stuff, and I don't know if that's what I necessarily want the game to be about, so, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll see on that one, um, but, you know, I definitely want to write 
one of, if not all of those things. Just because, like, I love RPGs. I would love to take a crack at um, at actually, like, doing all of it. Uh, putting this whole system together. All that kind of stuff. I think there could be just a lot of a lot of really good fun that could be had from it. Um, so yeah, I'll, uh, I'm, 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 I'm not sure which of those ideas I'm going to pick first. I'm not sure exactly, um, where I'm going to go with it, but you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And if I ever get anything, I'll, I'll uh, I'll post it somewhere where people can start trying to find it. I suppose somewhere on the internet. Um, I'm technically the the one of a, a moderator for a subreddit where we talk about a lot of RPG stuff. It's uh, called uh, RPG Creation. If, if there's any listeners who are interested in uh, the creation aspects of RPG and play testing new games, um, you can definitely look us up and join us uh, uh, out there. It's it's pretty good community. Pretty nice been playtesting another guy's RPG called uh, Fragments, which is really fun. Uh, no classes, just like, here's a hundred feats, and you slowly select a bunch of them and build your character up in a very specific way. Uh, I played a... Um, <laughs> the one time I played with them, I played uh, an old man who had prophetic dreams of the future about wizards destroying the world, so he learned magic so that he could uh, stop wizards using their own magic, uh, and he knows how to, you know, shoot lightning and all that sort of stuff, and he carries, like, this weird dilapidated shield around. He's got a little gnome hat and all that, because he thinks it's a wizard hat, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, tries to, you know, blend in with the wizards so he can learn their secrets and take them down. You know, just a, just a very funny, weird character and a, and a really fun, good game. Um, I don't know when they're thinking of releasing it, Sometime within the year, I think. Uh, and when they do, uh, I would highly recommend checking it out. The name of it, again, is uh, Fragments. Um, very, very good. Very good game. Uh, they've, they've done, like, three years of work on it. I mean, so, of course, you know, it's going to be good. Um, yeah. Boy, oh, boy, how long is an hour? <laughs> uh, I feel like... I feel like we have to be coming to the end at some point, but I guess I just need to keep going until the alarm goes off. Um, you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of RPGs, um, I've been, uh, I've been getting back into, uh, one game that I used to play in. We, uh, uh, we played in a game called, uh, the Yorin Adventurers League, and it was a, it was a campaign run by my friend Jackson, and it's been running on and off again for about four years now, almost, um, uh, well, I guess more towards three, really. Um, but it's a uh, it's a really fun, uh, enjoyable game that we've had. Our DM Jackson, he's a great guy. Makes up some really horrific shit uh, that we have to fight against. But you know, we're trying to save the world and whatnot. But we we're starting that back up finally in the summer, and if not, or if not the summer, at least the next school year. And I'm really excited to get back into that. I've missed playing it. We've been on hiatus ever since COVID started because. We didn't know if we were going to be able to play online, and Jackson didn't have some of his notebooks because they got locked up in a building that got closed down. So, you know, now, now we're finally getting back into it. And we, we all went to the zoo together the other day to, you know, the OKC Zoo to uh, just kind of chat and hang out and look at animals and catch up on stuff. So I'm excited to get back into it because it's going to be, 
it's going to be a lot of fun to finally hang out with everybody again and finally finish the story. We're going to go kill an evil king and hopefully uh, start the start the end of the of the plot basically and, and come to the come to the near conclusion of all of our hard work, which is going to be oh, that's going to be really fun. It's going to be sad because I'm going to have to say goodbye to the, that character in that world, but oh, it's going to be fun. Oh, look at that. There's the timer. That's a that's a full hour right there. Well, what do you know? <sighs> I'm almost I'm almost sad about having to say uh, say goodbye to all y'all. I don't know who you are, obviously, listeners, but it's uh it's been nice to kind of talk to you. Yeah, you know, I watched one or two episodes of this podcast before I. Um, before I did this recording, of course, to get a feel for what it's supposed to be like. And, you know, one thing that some people kept mentioning was uh, kind of the feeling of, like, talking into the void. I I haven't felt that way, you know? I haven't necessarily been having a conversation, but I feel like I've been listened to, you know? I feel like I've been having a good discussion with someone or the other, and they've just been quiet. They've just been listening to what I've been saying. I hope whatever I've been saying hasn't been too... uh, too boring for you. <laughs> I know that I've been a little bit rambling and all over the place, and I talked probably way too much about the RPG stuff right there at the end. And, um, and I know that at the beginning I, I, I was maybe a little too deep talking about bittersweetness and all that, but uh, I gotta say that uh, I've really enjoyed this experience so far, and I want to give a huge uh, special like thank you to uh, to the creators of this show for, for letting me come on and do this. And then a huge thank you to all of you who've been listening to it. Uh, I think that you've all, uh, you've all you've all probably wonderful people, and I bet that you uh, I bet that you'll have bright and wonderful futures. And uh, huh, I don't know how to end things very well, but I guess I just want to say thanks for the opportunity to speak to you all, and. Uh, I hope you all have a good rest of your day. Once again, I'm Heath Kirkendall, and uh, I'm never going to explain to anyone how you spell my last name. So just look at the podcast title, and I'm, I'm sure that you'll see it. It's a doozy. See ya.